What's happening, guys? This episode is sponsored by Nutricon. You can use the code FITFEB. That's it, FITFEB. Enter it in at checkout and you can save 20% off on all orders. Also, another new sponsor, which you would have obviously heard about in the previous episode, which is Cream Supreme. You can use the code JESTERADIO and save 15% off. So a whole lot of savings for all of you gym rats, you know, people that are addicted to health, supplements and cream of rice at discount. Today's guest, he has graced the South African television market and, you know, he's a household name more recently because of his, you know, and actually not even a household within South Africa, but he's an international name now. He started obviously with soapies locally and now has, you know, and now even going into a second season of Blood and Water. Bro, thank you so much for coming through. What's up, man? Thank you for the introduction. That was cool. Of course, I mean, bro, internationally recognized. Now, what is it? Number ten in the in the world? Number ten in the world. I'm not sure if people, uh, yeah, if, if if that's completely accurate. I know I'm I'm quite famous in Brazil. That was a big territory for us, um, but most people in America probably won't know exactly who I am. But now, number ten. Is it for maybe a period of time or is it all time? Or So that was in the, I think it was the the end of the first week that the show launched. So Blood and Water season two. Um, it came out, it was number one in South Africa. It was number one in a whole bunch of weird countries that no one expected, like Hungary, um, I think France it was, uh, England it was top five as well, Trinidad and Tobago, Brazil number one. Um, I think it was number one in about 20 different countries um, and not just Africa, like in Europe as well. Um, but for, at the end of that week, it did enter the top 10 worldwide, meaning like in 192 territories that Netflix is, is available in, it was number 10 on the list. So it was put out in every single country yeah. that Netflix yeah. obviously distributes yeah, yeah. to. Yeah, I think, they, I think the only countries that they're not available is, is uh, um, what is North Korea. Yeah, North Korea, and I don't know if there's another country as well. How many countries are Maybe there? Maybe even the China. Maybe China. Th- that could be. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see us trending in China, so <laughs> probably not there. Yeah. And you know, obviously, we'll get into your whole acting career and everything. Yeah. But just out of interest, do you get almost bonuses for you know something that has done super well? No, nothing like that. No, it's a it's a difficult thing. Um, I think especially with the Netflix model. So traditionally, in America at least, if you made a show, right? Let's say Friends, right? So for people who don't know, the Friends actors are still earning close to twenty five million dollars per year from Friends. And that's royalties. That's residuals. Yeah. Okay. So every time the show goes out or it's being distributed in a new country or territory, you get paid for that work again. In South Africa, we've been struggling to get that into law that they have to pay us that. Um, And I think it's difficult just because our budgets are so constrained. If a producer has to pay you residuals as well, they're not going to make money off of the show. And now with Netflix, it's like they make the show and it's available for forever in all of these different countries. And you... I'm not sure how it works in America with those actors, but it, I know for us, we don't get paid. You get paid once for, for shooting the show, and that's it. You don't, you don't see any of the money. And I also don't think the producers get any money from it again. It's Netflix like, just make the money afterwards. Netflix just makes the money, yeah. And they, and they, give, they give good budgets, um, sort of. They give good budgets for, for local productions. Um, I just don't know 
if there's any money afterwards that comes out of it. And with Blood and Water, it's perfect. Because the show has been trending worldwide, I think they're making quite a bit of, quite a decent chunk of money. Um, just from Africa, new subscriptions, all of that. I think it accelerated their growth um, in Africa quite a bit and, and obviously made them a lot of money. Obviously, Netflix has seen that, you know, it's relatively a lot cheaper yeah. to film movies and series yes. in South Africa, even if it's a actual American series yeah. with American actors. Yeah. Is that the reason why they saw a market in South Africa and they realized, okay, well, we can shoot the show for, you know, a tenth of the budget yeah. what we would be shooting overseas yeah. and still create a locally run show, local yes. actors, everything, and, you know, make good money off it? I think it started out so they... They went to Spain, right? And they commissioned two shows. I think it was Money Heist and Elite. And they probably didn't pay that much for the show to be made. And it blew up. Like, it properly blew up. And I think Spanish is still the most spoken language in the world. Um, probably next to Mandarin at the moment. And they made so much money off of that. And then they realized we need to start exploring in different countries. And Africa was obviously next because people don't realize how big the international film industry is in Cape Town. We're talking about billions of rands flowing through that industry every single year. And it's because we've got amazing locations. You've got such a diversity of places to shoot in. And we've got great actors as well. People who can do accents as well and sort of slot into those roles. Um, so they obviously came here, asked the local production companies, like pitch us something and give us a budget. Now, an American actor will maybe get something like 25,000 rand a day on a very low scale. Uh, in South Africa, you can get away with 3,000 rand a day for an actor. Um, locations are cheap. Crew is cheap. And they're very good as well. We've got some of the best crew members in the world as well. So it just financially, it just makes sense. Um, and it makes sense to sort of exploit it while you can. Because when you ask a production company, what's it going to cost to make this? They just ask that, what's it going to cost to make this? They don't ask, like, how far can we sort of push this budget? Or they don't say, we'll give you $100 million and make a show. They're like, just tell us how much it is. And the producers will say, like, let's say $5 million for a whole show. <laughs> and then it makes it difficult for everyone working on the shows because you need to create a, a world-class standard show, but you're not exactly getting the compensation that you, I guess, need to do it. It's 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 making sense for them. I mean, Kissing Booth, I don't know if you ever yeah. saw that. They shot those in South Africa as well. Um, and, and many of the locations they used, we used as well. But as far as I know, I, I don't know if we had the same sort of money to pay for those locations. So you need to negotiate the whole time. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a tricky sort of landscape to, to explore at the moment. Like, how much are we actually supposed to be getting for these shows and, and, and the producers as well? Do we need bigger budgets as well? Because we're still making a good show, it looks good, and people are enjoying it as well. And obviously, you know, a production company puts together a, a quote or whatever, yeah. and they send it off to Netflix. Yeah. You know, Netflix obviously is going to several people within the country, several production mm. houses. Yeah. And if you think, like, okay, well, it's Netflix, they've got a big budget, yeah. and you try overcharge in South African terms is going to be someone else that's charging they're less gonna and then they're the going to get the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there, there is a point where they'll look at the stories, the pictures and, and the experience of the production company. Like, can we actually trust these people to do it? But 
if you just think of it in a business perspective, I would do the same thing. Like if you want 50 million to make your show and this guy is, is giving me a show for 25, I'm going to go with 25. Um, it's, it's not worth it to risk uh, double the pay for, for something that might not really mean much. Yeah. And, you know, these, I don't know if you, how much you know, but, you know, these production companies putting together you know, their pitch for Netflix. Yeah. How much goes into that? You know, how much does Netflix come to them and say, okay, we've got a show that uh, what we want to do X, Y, and Z? Or yeah. is it, you know, Netflix coming to these companies saying, you know, we've got an idea of a show, a rough mm. idea, you put together a rough pitch, maybe a script, or how yeah. does it work? So they so they open up the pitches, um, but only for limited amounts of people. Like they'll they'll sort of earmark certain companies that they they've seen their work or they've got a track record, and they'll invite them maybe to listen. Have you got a pitch for a show? Come through, and they'll look at a, a bunch of different pitches. Um, there's another route as well where if you follow the right channels, you can pitch your show to them as well. But it's it's difficult, you know. It's it's if you think about it. Like if I start writing a script now and I'd, I've never done anything before, I'm 19 years old, the chances of someone looking at it and thinking, wow, this is going to happen, is, is, it's very unlikely. You need to be like Sylvester Stallone for that kind of stuff to happen. Yeah, then you can start calling the shots, you know. Um, so there, there's, there's proper channels that you need to follow to get there. Um, but I, I think they, like I said, they'll, they'll sort of earmark a couple of, specific companies to say have you got anything for us um and i think now with the the company that made blood and water as well gambit films they probably will have it a bit easier now to to pitch again but it it's it doesn't mean they made now like obviously netflix is is giving a lot of people opportunities so it might be another five years before they get another show or another opportunity to pitch something and and actually get it made yeah well let's go into your acting career okay at what age did you start and I, how did it start? I I officially started when I was 17. That was the first time that I um, sort of stepped onto set. That was the first time I was on a film set getting paid to be an actor. I think I got like 300 bucks or something. <laughs> but um, I, I took drama as a subject when I turned 16 at school. Um, did that for a bit. And then they had a theater piece that they wanted to perform that year. But it was it was conflicting with our rugby league as well. And the week before we were supposed to play the semi-final, the drama teacher phones me and is like, listen, I've tried everyone. I've phoned everyone, asked around if they want to be part of it, and everyone said no. So you're my last option. Do you wanna do you wanna be part of this? And something just said, like, let me do this, let me actually try this out. Long story short, I did. I loved it. Um, the rugby team didn't win the semi-final, not because I wasn't there, but just because... Maybe we, it was. <laughs> I don't believe that. But we went on to the sort of um, the nation, the national finals. And I realized this is actually... What school was this? Uh, I was in Help McCarr okay, okay, in, yeah. in Joburg. So yeah. This was the Beald Cup. Uh, Beald Trufia. Yes. Beald Trufia, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we, we went. Were, so we were, so our school was just in Beard, but we were in the B League. We and were. Hopper was in the A League, I believe. There was the Macro League, and then there was the, I think, Mac, Micro League, and then there was like leagues below yeah. that. We were in the Micro League. We at were that one point. below that because of the number of boys in our oh, school. Oh, okay. So it was, yeah, we were quite competitive, but we, I also knew like this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. I'm not going to become a professional rugby player. The acting side turned out like maybe I've got potential in this because I was one of the few 
boys at school who actually did it. I really enjoyed it, and it seemed like there was some potential in it. Um, but I think the, the key thing was just I really enjoyed it. I realized, like, I, w- I got a bit bored with rugby, and um, I could say you, re- you realize at some point, like, I'm not. I'm not gonna jog out for the box, you know. I'm not. I'm not gonna be the the next fly off of the of the Bulls. It's not gonna happen for me. Acting seemed like maybe this could work out. Maybe I can actually pursue this. And and that's when I decided. Okay, this is my mission in life. I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually go after this. And that was after that. This this was after the national finals. Yeah. So I was 16. We did that. Um, then our drama teacher helped me to get an agent at that point, started going for auditions. Uh, my dad would pick me up like during break and uh, I'd go in my little school uniform. So your dad was supportive, family he was, supportive. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they really knew like what it was about, but luckily my father uh, worked quite close to the school as well. So it was easy for him to like quickly pick me up, drop me off at the casting and then bring me back again. Um, but yeah, they, they've always been very supportive. Like I said, they, I don't think they have a clue what I do most of the time. It's a mystery to them as it is to most people. They might just see the end product. They just see the end product, yeah. Um, but, but very supportive always, yeah. And obviously, was this an Afrikaans role initially? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so most of my work from the beginning, the first role was a little movie. Well, not a little movie, it was a good movie, but I had a very small role. I think I had about two lines. Um, but everything, all my work was Afrikaans up until the point of Blood and Water, which was in 2019. And I never really, I never considered that I could do work in English. It never seemed like a possibility. Because the Afrikaans market is, although it's very niche, it's very loyal. Mm. You've got people who support it till the end. Uh, they'll support it till they die, which is amazing. I think it, because it's niche and because, yeah. Yeah. you know, there are a million different movies from overseas yes. going out there in series. Yeah. You know, the moment there's something local yeah. and people, I mean, look at Seven Delon. Yeah. People. I mean, you've been on Seven Delon. Yeah. It's not the most amazing production. No, there's but no, people but people love, love it. it. They love it. And, and it, and it's because you want to, you want to see people um, speaking in your language and people who sort of look like you, you know, you want to relate in, in, in some way. Um, and that's a great thing about Afrikaans and like CakeNet um, is, no matter how small a show is, if those people see you, they go crazy. They really love it. They invested in it. So it, it was quite amazing. And the, the challenge you have as an actor, and, I, and it's, it's changing now, is if you can't speak Afrikaans or you, don't, you can't speak Zulu or Sutu or any other um, you know, local languages then there's, there's no real place for you to go to, or at least there wasn't. Like if you're a white English actor, um, there weren't a lot of shows being made where you would slot in. Um, it's changing now because Mnet is producing a lot more local content. We've got Netflix, we've got Showmax, all of that. So there's new opportunities happening. And that's why I say like up until 2019, all my work was Afrikaans. From 2019 up until now, everything's been English. So I'm sort of, transitioning completely towards a more um, English, more international audience, more international type or, or style of, of productions at the moment. And you've obviously got exposure to an international market now. Yeah. And potentially is that obviously the end, is then what is the end goal in terms of your career? Is it going sure. you know, to Hollywood or? I, I don't think so. I've never really had the sort of conviction that I wanted to go to, to Hollywood. And 
I don't know. I think it's because I realized quite early on, I've always been passionate about a whole host of different things. Um, I'm not, you get people who like, they, they wake, they breathe, they eat, they sleep acting. That's all they want to do. Their biggest dream is to win an Oscar and they go, you know, full steam ahead towards that goal. For me, it's like, I love acting. It's my biggest passion and, and I wouldn't want to do anything else. But I still enjoy like a couple of other things, creating businesses, you know, working in different um, spheres of life. I don't want to be bound just by acting um, because also, you know, it becomes sort of monotonous and you, you want to experience different things in life as well. But also acting is draining. It's a it's a difficult game. It's 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 a difficult industry. Um, you face a lot of rejection. Oftentimes, there's a lot of politics and things involved, and that's just not sustainable for me as as a person. You know, I can't live like that my whole life. I need other stuff to fuel me to keep me going because that makes me more excited to to get into the acting. If I were to decide to go to America, first of all, the visa you get limits you to you can only do acting. I'm not allowed to do other work there. Um, the cost of going there is is it's astonishing. I I worked out of I want to go for six months and just just survive. I need seven to eight hundred thousand rand, right? I'm not at a point where I feel like I want to risk all of that yeah. anymore. I've got a good thing going. I enjoy what I do. The only thing that will change when I go there is I'll become more famous probably and I'll make a bit more money. But the the things you need to add on top of that, like you have no more privacy. Everyone knows your business. Um, imagine if there's politics here, imagine what it's like over there. Like the struggles you face just to get into a room, um, the people you need to connect with, sleep with, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's just not for me. I'm not that passionate about I don't. I don't desire that or I don't have a desire for it that bad that I feel like I need to go there. Um, and it's exciting now that there's so much happening in South Africa that I can just stay here. I'm moving to Cape Town now. I'm getting exposed to a lot more international projects that side. And and I'm, I know it's going to happen organically that I'll start working more in international projects and maybe go to America for a couple of months here or there. But I don't want to live there. I don't want to – that's not my main – my sole focus in life. Yeah. And, you know, going to Cape Town now, because mm. you are obviously shooting a new season of Blood and Water, Yeah. then after that, do you have any other, you know, have you, because you obviously have done so well in Blood and Water, yeah. as an actor, are you still going and doing auditions and going to yes. try get new roles and, you know, so, obviously trying to still put yourself out there to get yeah. new work? So you never stop auditioning. Um, once again, in America, the model sort of changes. If you're Leonardo DiCaprio... You don't audition. No, <laughs> you get scripts and you decide which projects you want to be part of. Um, I don't have that luxury yet, maybe maybe in like 15 years. Um, so I'm still auditioning. But the good thing now is, is because I've been in the industry for so long, when I arrive at, a, at an audition, I usually know a lot of the people there, the casting director or the producer or the director himself, herself. Um, and that that sort of makes it easier. It just makes you feel a bit more comfortable. But also I'm, I'm top of mind more than I was a couple of years ago. So when someone's casting for something, they already know my face. So they, they might already think like, hey, he's going to be a good option for this. Um, so it, I guess it improves my chances, just being known um, and, and people 
you know, knowing my work and they've seen what I do and, and, and my reputation has sort of, you know, uh, been, been spread around the industry, that, that definitely makes it easier. But, yeah, I'll always have to audition. What's good at the moment is, is um, obviously Blood and Water is going and we might have a couple more seasons, but I've got another show coming out in March called Recipes for Love and Murder. Um, and that's going to be on Mnet, and it seems like it's going to be distributed in, in the UK as well, maybe some other territories around the world. So it's another show that we're making here, but it's traveling around the world. So that opens up a new, um, you know, new opportunities and, yeah, new seasons hopefully as well. It's, it's based on a book series, and I think they've got three books. So season one, two, and three, hopefully we... Yeah, that that's the that's the jackpot when you start on a show and you know there's going to be a season two or three coming with that as well. And you know, in terms of a season two and a three, do they you know put out that first season, see how well it does, see how yes. well it's received, yeah. and then based on that they say, okay, well, obviously let's yeah. pick it up for a second season. Most of the time, it's it's based on sort of the metrics of how many people are watching, how well is it performing, and how are people responding to it. Um, and it's, it's, that's a very challenging thing in South Africa because if you are given the option to watch a South African production and an American production, you are biased towards the American stuff because um, historically we haven't always made the best stuff, right? And it's been because of budget limitations um, and, and support maybe from the channels and networks as well. And that perception is just there that local stuff are not as good as, as international stuff. That's changed completely. I mean, if you look at the amount of international stuff being made here, it's the same people who create our local shows. You know, the, the crew working on Blood and Water, a lot of them work on, worked on Resident Evil, Raised by Wolves, all of these international stuff being shot here. Um, the same with Recipes for Love and Murder as well. We've got international standard people working on, on these shows. So it is, it's, it's become a lot better. Um, Recipes for Love and Murder I'm super excited about It's a show that I can't wait to watch And usually I'm like a little bit weird about the things that I Can you explain the character that you play? I play, I play a, a, a young cop in, uh, So it's set in this little Karua Dorpi um, Where obviously not a lot happens And um, yeah, I play this cop who's a little A little bit clumsy A little bit silly um, It's not, not the sharpest tool in the shed Okay yeah, <laughs> completely opposite from my from my blood and water character. Yeah, humble guy. It's very um, also almost shy as well. Um, but and that show, like I said, is traveling internationally as well. So it shows you that we are producing amazing stuff. It's just about like changing the perception of the local audiences. Like, just give it a shot. Like, just watch one or two episodes. Try and get into it, um, and 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 leave your bias at the door because it's difficult to, like I said, to get the audience just to trust it. And and um, if they don't watch that first season, and it even if it doesn't matter how good it is, if there's not enough people watching it, they're not going to put more money into it because it's expensive. You know, we're talking about millions and millions. We're talking 20, 30 million rand to you to create a show. Um, and if people are not watching, you're losing a lot of money. It's yeah. just not good business. Doesn't Again, it doesn't matter if the show is cute, the actors are doing a good job. It's, it's about money at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, you know, you said that you play, you know, a clumsy cop and another one is a spoiled, mm. clever, manipulative guy, yeah. you know? Yeah. And obviously, I mean, but if you look at like The Rock, 
he's yeah. always theoretically the same type of character. <laughs> yeah. Look at Kevin. Obviously, these guys are pretty. They're actually bad examples because they've done very well. Yes. If you look at Kevin Hart, he's this pretty much the same guy in everything yeah. he does. If you look at Sylvester Stallone, mm. pretty much the same type of tough guy. You yeah. know, for you yourself, you also you don't limit yourself to you know one particular type of character that no. you play. You do you audition for multiple things that you find interesting yeah. or is it also just your manager saying you know i think this might be a good fit for you yeah. completely different to what you've done before it's a it's a difficult thing sometimes because i find myself as well um i'm good at playing the sort of bad character right i look a bit like a dick and and if if i really commit to it i can pull it off as well i guess sometimes i am a, <laughs> I am a bit of a dick we, I try all, we all are <laughs> yeah we all are we all have it in us i just access it quite easily um so i've i've played that character quite a few times um but i've done a whole you know um a big variety of characters as well and and for a real actor and it i don't want it to sound sort of condescending but Dwayne Johnson is an entertainer, right? He's a good entertainer. He's not a great actor. He's the highest paid actor in the world. He's not the best actor in the world um, because he, he can't offer any sort of variety. If you look at someone like Gary Oldman, most people don't really know who he is. He's one of the best actors in the world because you can't recognize him when he's playing a character. Um, in South Africa, sometimes like they'll send out a brief and they've got these characters and they're they looking for people just to fit it immediately because we don't have a lot of time to do transformations. You don't have a lot of time to, to and budget to create prosthetics and all of this. So I tell my agent, like, don't just send me stuff that fits my description. I want to play different characters. Like, let me see everything and then I'll decide with you what I want to read for. Most of the time, I don't get those roles. They just sort of filter back to the same character I've been playing. But the more I push for it, the more people can see, oh, there is a bit of variety. Um, so I, I make sure to showcase people that I can do different things. And over time, it's sort of developed now where people can see, oh, okay, you can actually do this. Let's give them a shot on this. Um, so I'm, I'm at a very good point at the moment where um, I'm, playing, I'm playing a lot of different characters. Um, none of them have the same sort of uh, characteristics or, or personalities. But you have to also play into your strengths. Dwayne Johnson is the highest paid actor in the world because he sticks to what he knows and people want to see him. Like there's this meme about him wearing the same brown T-shirt in a forest and it looks like the same film. It's four different films. Yeah, I right? saw another one where it was like, Dwayne Johnson said, oh, that movie's in a forest. I'll do that one. Yeah, yeah. As long as it's in a forest, yeah. then there's some sort of adventure or with some it. sort of thing where he's the strongest guy. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, I mean, that was, that was actually a, a fight that that's why there's that beef between him and Vin Diesel. Oh, yeah. Was because obviously Vin Diesel, Fast and Furious, he should be the person that wins the fight oh, between yes. them two. Yeah. But The Rock's also at the point the rock, in his career yeah. was like, I'm not losing a yeah. fight, regardless of who my opponent yeah. is in I'm the movie. The I'm rock, The Rock, baby. Come on. So, so there's there's a lot of merit in that as well. Where if 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 you position yourself in a certain certain role character and you just work at that and you become the best at that, you can have a lot of work with that. You know, The Rock is the, who else in Hollywood right now is a big buff bald dude um, who can play that character. Yeah. It's just him, and it sells. And him and that other the wrestler, not John Cena, um, other one. B Batista. Batista, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but he's also just coming into more he's, roles. He's coming into it, but he doesn't have the charisma that, yeah, that yeah. Uh, Dwayne Johnson yeah. has. He's more he's more softer, like still there and yeah. present, but he's yeah. more of a softer presence, but you still have the character's respect. Yeah. But but also the way the, the sort of film industry has changed now in, in movies and TV series, like the the big money makers aren't your drama shows or sometimes the shows, but not films. Like when people go to the cinema or they watch a film, they want to see something exciting, something fun, something that isn't heavy. Yeah. And Dwayne Johnson gives you that on a silver platter. Like just take it. Let's have some fun. Let me do a little eyebrow, <laughs> whatever. I'm going to show some muscles. There's something for everyone, you know. Um, and that's why it's making money. That's why people keep, continue to make those films that's why he continues to make it as well. Um, so I, I have a lot of admiration for him as a person, as an entertainer. I love him. I watch all his videos. But as an actor, just, yeah, I don't aspire to be. Yeah. I don't aspire to be that. And someone like Christian Bale, who goes through you know massive yeah. weight gain, massive weight loss, yeah. massive changes. Yeah. yeah, and also I mean he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, yeah. and every, well, I, I personally just enjoy you know the physicality of what he how how yes. he goes through. Obviously. Yeah. Just watching how, you know, he'll be like 85 kilograms, one Batman movie, and then he was like 60 kilograms, yeah, and he crazy, ate one yeah. can of tuna and an apple <laughs> I saw for that the other 12 day, months yeah. or whatever. You yeah. know, like that's kind of obviously not acting range, but it's the willingness to go somewhere yeah. for a particular but it, character. It, it is part of the, the sort of range as well, because <clears throat> you can have the physical transformation, but you still need to you still need to add a lot of personality to that look to 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 create a character um and and that's sort of the dream that's what i what i always hoped like i would be able to do is like do these transformations and really transform completely but if you're not getting paid a couple of million per project if you don't have six months to prepare it's just not it's not gonna happen it's not worth going and it's not worth for, it. yeah if you if you look at also like something like zach efron in baywatch right he was obviously on gear yeah. to, to get into that and and although he's very he's very lean that's just why he looks at him he wasn't gear but he's getting paid a couple of million to yeah. do this like it's worth it then for me like I'm not gonna do something weird just to, just for like a two month project where I'm you know just getting a little bit of yeah. rondelas. You know? Yeah, it's not. But it's just not worth it. Well, not in South Africa, but the whole world they look at these characters. Yeah, and they don't know actually like that this guy might be on juice, that guy might be on steroids. I mean, yeah. people look at like Zac Efron. Yeah, he wasn't massive. No. He was he was he was slim and he had good definition and yeah. good muscles. But it's impossible for someone to get that lean and look the way he did without. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, using steroids, yeah. whatever substance does he used, and people then think, "Oh no, like he's an actor. He wouldn't." I mean, The Rock claims to be natural. I, I mean, I don't, I don't. Like, I how mean, much? He's like fifty years old yeah. as well. You don't, you don't. No. You're not that low in body fat and that muscular at fifty years old, and and it's all natural. It's all Iron Paradise and some yeah. protein powder. Like, there has to be something happening. Of course, like these guys have have chefs and and dietitians helping them out, but. It only helps so much. We know, we know, we know, like, you don't get it. Yeah. You don't get there without some help along the yeah. way. You know, and also, I mean, okay, let's move back to you going to Cape Town now. Yeah. Was there more opportunities in Joburg before Netflix introduced themselves into Cape Town and the South African area? I think, I think, again, the Afrikaans industry, 
that was centered around Joburg. All your soaps were being shot up here, most of the drama series, most of the films as well. Uh, gradually over time, a lot more has shifted towards the Cape Town market. You've still got a lot of like like studio work, local studio work being done in, in Joburg, a lot of series being shot here as well. But the work that I want to do is mostly happening in Cape Town because 95% of the international work is happening down there. Um, they very rarely come up to Joburg for stuff. Um, so most of that is happening there. The two shows that I'm working on currently, Blood and Water and Recipes for Love and Murder, that's happening in Cape Town. So that's enough motivation for me to go down there. And then a lot of the good Afrikaans drama series are being shot in Cape Town as well. And that market keeps on growing. They've also got the Cape Town Film Studios down there, which they built, I think, probably around 2015 or so. Um, and like I said, never, I never thought that I would work in in an English production. I thought it was going to be Afrikaans my whole career, and that's what I'm sticking to. Now, since that's changed, my mind has gone open to think like, I can actually do this. Like, like I can do work on a global stage, which I never thought would be possible for me. And now I'm finally feeling like, dude, you can do this. Like, like this is only the start of your career. A couple of years back, I thought like I'd reached the ceiling. Like I'd done a lot of Afrikaans work. I'd done films, soapies, series, everything. And I felt like there's nowhere to go from here. And uh, the, the world, the universe, God has just blessed me with, with Netflix coming here. I think Amazon is coming here as well. All these international stuff where I can, I can take it to the next level now. There's a lot, there's a lot of room for, for progress all of a sudden, which is super exciting, man. And, and for me to pursue that, I, I need to be in Cape Town. And, you know, you recently actually rented out these studios. Yeah. And you're coming out with a book. Yeah. So, so this year is 10 years since the first time I sort of walked on set, the first time I, I started as an actor. And I still get a lot of people messaging me like, yo, man, can you hook me up with Netflix? And can you get me onto this show? And, and it's not something you can just answer it's in a DM. Email the yeah. CEO yeah, yeah, of yeah. Netflix. Dude, let me just, yeah, I'll organize. People don't understand. Like, I'm still trying to get on Netflix. I've got one show, but I've, I've got a career that I need to sustain. You know, it's not as easy as just that. So, um, and I've always had a big passion for, for teaching others because I had great mentors along the way, people who really helped me out and, and showed me the way. So I decided to sit down and, and write a book. It's, it's sort of a book slash study guide, but let's say it's a book about, and, and, and the name is Becoming an Actor, Practical Tips to Navigate the Industry. And it's all about just the things that, that people don't know. I was lucky because I had someone to show me like, this is how you get an agent. This is how auditions work. This is what it's like on a film set. But someone sitting um, you know, in Limpopo who's got this dream of, of becoming an actor, they've got no idea and they've got no one that they can bounce off or, or get some sort of info from. And the internet also doesn't really provide a lot. So the book is all about the practical things that you need to know if you want to commit to a career in acting and also just improve your chances of becoming an actor. It's got nothing to do with acting ability or methods or anything like that because I don't really feel like I'm in a position where I can teach someone that. I'm still learning along the way as well. But there's... There's so many things that I've learned along the way about auditions, um, agents, you know, contracts, the practical side of it. And, and I do believe that if this is something that you want to pursue, this book can help you just to, just to like cross a, 
the first five hurdles of the race. It's not going to get you necessarily onto a set, but you're going to cross a lot of hurdles just by reading it, and it's going to give you a head start as well. Because it's, if you think about it, it's like spending a week with me, and I share everything that I've learned over the past ten years. And I've had I've had massive massive failures and mistakes that I've made along the way, um, but I've I'm starting to hit my stride now. I've sort of ironed out all the issues, and now I'm now I'm really starting to enjoy the career. Really starting to do the work that I've always wanted to do. And making those mistakes, when were there ever was there ever a time where you know you're like, no, this isn't for me. I need to try focus on yeah. something else. I assume because I mean you face so much rejection. Yeah, yeah, a lot of times there um, where I just thought, man. I need to change up because also I started early. So all my friends were still studying. Right. And at that point, I, things were like going, well, I was making a bit of money. You know, things were looking good and then it gets slow again, but then it picks up again. And as I was focusing on this career, all of my friends are finishing their studies and they start getting real jobs. And within a year, they're like making more money than me and all. And you start to think, yo, I wonder if this was, if this was the best idea. Um, and then you face more rejection and then you start to feel like I really thought I, I would have been achieving a lot more by this point and you don't. And the difficult thing is all of it is out of your control. So you start seeking things that you can control. So quite early on, I picked up a camera. I started shooting things that progressed into like a little video production company. I worked on other shows as a cameraman um, and that was sort of sustaining me through the dry years, through the periods of like, Okay, things are not really working out. But there comes a point where you need to decide, like, I can't, I can't be half pregnant on both. Like, I need to commit to something. And I was, I was just about to quit acting. I was just about to leave it. And then I got the audition for Blood and Water. It was literally like a week. I, I, the Sunday I decided I'm going to give it one more week. But then I think I'm, I'm done because I... I like this video stuff and it's making me a bit of money, but we need to start making proper money now. And then Blood and Water came through. And from there, sort of everything shifted towards... I still got the company and we do some work um, here and there, but I'm not, I'm not really that committed to it. Right now, it's like full-on acting. How can I become the best actor that I can be? How can I work more consistently and, and, and now sort of sustain the career that I've built up? Focusing on acting and, you know, putting yourself out there and, yeah. you know, obviously, I mean, you go into an audition, you put in, like, you've got all eyes on you, yeah. you know, you're the center of attention and you need to perform. Has acting, you know, helped you in other aspects of life? You know, where you at, I don't know, silly example, you're at a bra and people mm. talk to you, but you, you're confident because you're like, you know, I can't, there's a panel of people looking at me acting. Yeah. How can I not be confident in, you know, a bright situation where people are asking me questions or it doesn't going it, on a date with a, obviously I know you've got a girlfriend, but like yeah. going on a date, being more confident, yeah. has it helped you in those aspects of your life or business meeting or whatever? For some reason it hasn't translated at all because I've spent so much time becoming confident in going to auditions. I've spent so much time um, getting comfortable with learning lines and 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 portraying a character that it doesn't phase me anymore. Like I'm not I'm not scared about it. I'm I'm excited about it. Whereas other parts of life, I've I'm still the same person. Like like I'm I'm quite introverted. I I struggle to to strike up a conversation with someone. Um, and I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to train myself to become better at it and, and being comfortable 
with just standing with someone and, and talking about nothings, you know. That's always been a massive challenge for me. Business business meetings still, I, I get so anxious about it. Like those things stress me out because I haven't spent as much time investing into that. And, and that's why I say also like I enjoy doing different things because that's a challenge for me. Like going to an audition, yeah, I get a bit nervous, but like I know what to expect and, and, and I know how to do a good job. Going to business meetings, I get nervous, man. I'll I'll try and find excuses not to go until I force myself. Okay, just go, just go, just go and enjoy it. Um, so it's it's nice to have other things that challenge you and, and help you grow as well. But I have found one thing that I remind myself of is like when you're acting, right? Let's say you need to be sad in a scene. It's not like I'm sad in that moment, but I, I fabricate that emotion and I, and I portray it. I found that in life as well, like we we fall into a gear of like being depressed, maybe sad or whatever. And if I can, through acting, change my emotion, then in real life, surely, if I can just put on a smile, it changes my mood as well. So I'm trying to be quite intentional with things like that, where I realize like I have control over myself and my emotions, because if I can get paid to do it, then in my personal life, surely I can I can change a few things as well. But but for the most part, like I say, I'm I'm very confident when I'm on set, when I'm in an audition room. Um, in other settings, it's it's just it's not the same. Yeah. I'm I'm shy. I'm shy, dude. Yeah. But and I was actually was a question I was thinking is you know as an actor, everyone looks at these actors and sees, you know, these people doing you know, amazing. Let's say a musical or even just oh, yeah. like a movie yeah. where someone has to sing. Yeah. You, and then you watch it you're like yo, I couldn't act like that or yeah. I couldn't do this or. And there's the whole crew watching me. Like, surely, you know, that's the thing. People always think these actors are, you know, these crazy, over-the-top, or well, at least maybe when I watch it and I watch something, like Andrew Garfield, yeah. when I watch Tick, Tick, Boom. Oh, yes, and I haven't I, seen that You yet, must watch yeah. it. Yeah. And watching it, and, and he's crazy. Mm. And then you think, you know, is this person just really a good actor? Or, you know, do you have to be theoretically crazy when you're not it. on set because of you say you're an introvert yeah so have you found where sometimes or maybe initially mm. it was difficult to have these cameras the crews the director everyone looking at you yeah expecting you to perform but there's so many eyes on you because obviously watching a movie you don't see all the eyes yes. you just see what the cameras are on yeah i think i think all of it starts to blend together like it's easier for me to walk onto a stage and before perform or do a talk in front of a thousand people than it is to sit one-on-one -on -one with a person and just talk right because this is very intimate mm. with well, the podcast is different because you know this is what the experience we're yeah. having but if someone in the shopping mall stops me and wants to talk that's like awkward i, yeah, I feel yeah. tension when there's a thousand people it just becomes like this mess of like okay it's just cool. like a blur yeah there's no there's no intimacy to it really um but also, so so again, talking about like the distinction between entertainers and actors. Most actors you'll find are quite chilled people, introverted, shy. Um, they don't really want to draw too much attention to themselves. Entertainers, on the other hand, are big personalities. When they walk into the room, like everyone knows they're there. I'm talking about a Dwayne Johnson type yeah. of person, right? Um, Actors have got a very sort of intimate nature to them. And, and, and I think a lot of the time it's because they're very caught up in their thoughts and they're thinking the whole time and analyzing and like looking at people and, and picking up on what, what people do because that's what you need to do as an actor is like study, study people. Um, so 
I think also when you when you have the intention of like I just want to I just want to tell stories, right? When you get onto set, you can't really be worried about all of these people looking at you. You worried about like I've got these lines and I've got the scene with another actor. I want to do this truthful. So you forget about all of the people. I think it changes when when your intention is like I want to be famous or um, I want people to know me or see me then you become more aware of people looking at you, people maybe judging you or whatever. I don't feel that because my intention is just like, man, I want to do a good job, eh? And I want to entertain people in this through this scene. You know, I want them to see the show and enjoy it. Not see me and and make me the sort of pivotal part or, or draw too much attention to myself. Um, so it's all about that intention, you know? Some people want to do it for fame, um, which is fine. Most serious actors want to do it because they've got a passion for storytelling and and making people feel something. And obviously, there's been times where you know you might see you know yo this is what I'm going to get paid, yeah. and your mind kind of shifts to the money making aspect yeah. of it. But then you know it gets back to the roots of your actual passion yeah. for acting and for performance. Yeah, it's a that's a difficult thing. At the beginning of my career, I didn't really care that much about the money and whatever. I was still living with my parents, and like you know, you just wanted to act. The longer time you spend in the career, you you realize like. Um, I need to make a living out of this now. I've chosen this career path and, and it needs to be financially viable. And yeah, it, it becomes difficult with negotiations as well because when you start a new show, you don't know how big it's going to be, right? So you don't know what you can fight for. You don't know if you can fight for 2000 a day or 10000 a day. Um, but the problem is where you start off as well, if there's a next season, you, your salary is increased by 5%, let's say, from that first season. Um, so fighting for what you're worth is is a difficult thing. And your agent is supposed to manage that. And they'll also tell you this is what you're supposed to getting to be getting because they know as well. But you also need to look at yourself like, okay, I've been doing this for 10 years. You know, I've got a wealth of experience. Uh, I know what I bring to the table. And, and you need to prove that then to a producer as well. Um, I'm at a point now where like I'm working a lot but when I look at the sustainability of the financial side of it, I realize like the life that I want and the things that I want that I can pay for, um, I'm not going to get just through acting um, because the reality is like I'll shoot maybe seven months of the year. There's four months left that I'm not doing anything, five months left. Yeah. I was never good at math. <laughs> yeah, There's five months that I mean, I'm... Also, maybe Dece Okay, what well, depends as an actor, you might be shooting through December. Yes, that as well. So, so, but every year changes, right? So I can't rely on X amount of money. So I need something on the side that's going to be more stable, that's going to ensure, okay, at least you're getting this in. Mm. Because while you're working, you're making fairly good money. Like if I've got a three-month contract with the show, I'm making good money for three months, but I'm probably if that's all you've done in a year, then there might be a problem. To spread that three month salary over twelve months, it becomes it becomes thin. Um and you you just have no control over it. Like I, I can't decide what shows they're busy making, what stories they're telling, and if I fit that those character descriptions. Um so 
unless you're doing some influencing work on the side or you've got brand deals happening, um, you, need to, you need to build side hustles. You need to build something on the side that's going to, first of all, keep you busy because you can't just sit around and do nothing. But just financially, that's going to make you money. Um, I think the more I move towards sort of international work and international projects, that might change because they, they pay you quite well on the international project. Um, and then it becomes a different conversation because now you can be making a couple million maybe a year just from, from local stuff, but then you're going to be working. From those three months? No, <laughs> no, no, not necessarily. You'll still be, need to work like for six months probably to, to uh, make enough money. But I know where I'm at now and the way I've set up my life. Like if I work maybe five, six months of the year, I know I'm covered for the rest of the year. So that gives you six months mm. to, to create whatever you want or invest in, in new things or write a book or, or start your own sort of online show, whatever it is, whatever it is. But you can't, I don't think you can sit around and just do nothing. Mm. Um, you know, I've got plans. I want to I wanna get married. I want to have a family one day. Um, I want to have a nice life. Um, um, I'll say it. I, I want to buy nice things. Yeah. I've, I've always had a dream of of owning a Ferrari, um, because I'm passionate about cars. That's like one of the other passions I have is, is cars, and I need seven million rand to buy a Ferrari, which I don't have now. So, and I and if you just look at the math, like this acting thing, yeah, it's going well. I'm making money, but I'm not making seven million. You know. Mm. Um, so, so you need to be realistic about what you want out of life and, and what's going to make you happy and then adjust accordingly. And for me, it's like, I need to have five pots boiling at the same time to eventually get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people, when the book is ready, yeah. get it? So I'm, I'm self-publishing the whole thing. Um, it's going to be on my own website. People will be able to, to, to buy it from there and it will be delivered as well. Um, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, I've got a podcast that's going to be releasing probably from around April or so uh, with a bunch of awesome actors where we talk about the industry as well, give you even more tips and more value. Um, and yeah, the book will be releasing at the same time as the podcast as well. So yeah, people just need to check out at, on my, my socials at Arno Grief, wherever you want. Um, but I'm very excited about that. That's like an awesome project that uh, I'm, I'm glad I committed to it and actually did it because it's very, it's very rewarding. Even if no one buys the book, it's nice to just have something that, that this has been my, the past 10 years of my life. Like this is, this is everything that I've learned um, and everything that I can possibly share to, to hopefully inspire someone else to follow the journey as well. Yeah. Well, now you're off to Cape Town. When do you start shooting the new season? We... I don't know if we're allowed to say, but I'm starting on a, on a show on the third of March. Okay. Yeah, yeah, next month. Um, then I'm going to be there for three months, coming back to Joburg quickly for another thing, and then officially moving down. Let's say around June, July. Yeah. Well, bro, good luck for the moving process. That's never fun. Yeah. Well, it's fun. It's exciting. It is. But yeah. the amount of work that goes into it's it. It's stressful, man. It's really stressful. Like the last time I moved, I moved out of my parents' house. And that was like, I had a bit of assistance and like, I didn't have anything. Now it's all you. Now <laughs> Everything you've accumulated the last yeah. like seven years or whatever. Exactly. Now, now I need to move that, all of it out. And it's difficult as well because I'm not moving to Cape Town just yet. Everything needs to go to storage, and it's a, uh, it's just life. It's just life. Things uh, everyone goes through it. Yeah. But yeah, 
Well, bro, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And Thanks, man. We look forward to seeing you maybe with The Rock. One <laughs> in day. A, in a movie one, one day. day. <laughs> We're going to hold our Oscars for some some film one day myself. He's never won. He's not, I don't think he'll ever win an Oscar. No, but <laughs> never say never. Yeah. It's, about, it's about drive. It's about power. <laughs> we stay hungry. We devour it. Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, well, so maybe he's going to win a, um, a Grammy. A Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet guys. Thank you very much for watching and catch you next time.